0: You know, did somebody leave me a nickel tip up here? I just found a nickel uh, right here. Is that what you're groaning about? Is that? I, I, <laughs> well, I don't want my cubs to go through the motions, kind of like the Cardinals have this last week. Uh, but uh, uh, it's, it's getting rough uh, here. But uh, welcome. Uh, my name is Andy. I'm uh, privileged to be the senior pastor here at, at uh, Troy United Methodist Church. I'm so glad you're here today. As uh, you heard, we're wrapping up uh, this series on uh, confronting the elephants. In the room uh, over the course of the last few weeks i 've um, uh, just tried to share some, uh, some of the benefits of doing so of having difficult conversations uh, with folks in your life uh, of of um, uh, you know talking about uh, specific elephants like addiction or, or marriage struggles i 've also shared some examples from scripture where where uh, uh, particularly the Apostle Paul confronted some difficult stuff in the lives of the, the church uh, that he was leading and ministering to, and and along the way tried to offer some practical suggestions for approaching the very difficult conversations you might have in your, your life in a Christ-like way. And if you've missed any of the messages, they're available on our website. You can view them online. Uh, but as you might guess, in a series like this, uh, people will send emails and just ask questions like, well, what about this situation? Is this, this is a difficult situation I'm facing. Is this appropriate? What do, what do I do? And, um, you know, I receive those pretty regularly, but um, um, I've received a couple in this series that kind of uh, overlapped a bit that I, and I wanted to address one of the, uh, this common question that I've received. And it, it goes something like this. It says, um, is it ever not worth it to confront an elephant in a particular relationship? And it, You've wondered that too, haven't you? I mean, some of you—you you, you wondered enough to email me. Uh, that's great. Uh, and my initial thought was, uh, yes, it's—it's it's definitely not worth it to like confront your pastor about wearing Cubs attire uh, at church. It's just not worth it. Don't do it. Uh, it, it will do irreparable damage. Uh, it's not something that you want to do. Avoid it. Uh, definitely not worth it. But, uh, but what about? I'll take this off for you. Uh, uh, but uh, what about? I don't want to get it dirty because I'll be wearing it later. Um, <laughs> what, what, what about uh, all October, probably? Uh, what, 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 what about serious situations, though? Uh, what, what about the, the serious things where, uh, where, as one person put it, where it's just too raw, where, uh, where it's too sensitive to address, particularly in family dynamics? Uh, this question was involving. And, and here's, I, I, I thought about this, I prayed about it, here's, here's kind of my rule of thumb. Scripture doesn't directly address it, uh, but, but this is how I would counsel somebody. First, I would say, if it doesn't have the potential for improving your relationship or, or helping the person that you're speaking to, then, then, then tread lightly. Um, it, you it might not be worth it. Um, and, and the instructions, the kind of direction that I've given uh, from God's word have all been around uh, uh, within the context of approaching the elephants within Christian community. So if your relationship that you're wondering about, is it worth it, is it not? Um, if it's not in that context, if, if that person's not a Christ follower, if it's not within your church family, maybe it's in your family family and, and maybe they say it, but you're not sure if they really are following Jesus, you know, that, then you, you really got to be your own best judge in in situations like that. Uh, It it may be worth it. Um, It it may not be. Uh, uh, But you you just have to sort through that. Uh, But today's elephant is one that you must confront. It's it's a no-doubter. You've got to confront. Here's the good news, though. It's it's not one that you have to confront in somebody else. It's just one you have to confront in yourself. Uh, This elephant is a big one, In fact, I would suggest that it isn't just an elephant, it's this one's a mammoth. And and you know where he lives? Um, He lives like all over the place, but he he does his best hiding in churches, uh, within faith communities. Um, and, And this elephant is the elephant of unbelief. And if there is any elephant that needs to be dragged out into the open and to be honest about, it's this one. Uh, because our understanding our our belief our trust in god it's the foundation for for all of these other elephants that we would confront everything we've talked about in this series our key relationships problems temptations that we face addictions uh, that have it's their claws in us everything who we understand god to be in our in our relationship with jesus is the foundation for everything else um so so let's take a look at this elephant and see what it's really all about But first, a quick question. This is something that I I saw on um, an old episode of of, uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? And I've realized, any fifth graders in here, uh, maybe, uh, or close, uh, I've realized that the further I get away from fifth grade, the dumber I get, Uh, or at least in the things that you learn in fifth grade. I don't remember the stuff. So so, uh, this is not a trick question, Uh, it's a pretty straightforward one. Um, How many different kinds of elephants are there? And we're not talking like male, female. Not, not, not that easy. Huh. Two, two. Yeah. What, what are they? African and Asian. That's right. See, I told you it wasn't a trick question. You're smarter than a fifth grader. Uh, good job. But uh, uh, likewise, the elephant of unbelief has two different types. And, and I want to talk uh, and share a bit about both of them uh, this morning. The first one, the first type emerges in those who, who proudly call themselves uh, Christians. They, they believe all the, the right things about God, but their beliefs haven't yet translated to the point where they actually put their trust in God, uh, or at least not in in certain areas of their life. Uh, for some, uh, they might be avoiding uh, following god's ways when it comes to that romantic relationship oh, i'll just do this one my way, God, uh, or or maybe toward a, a desire for approval, uh, always seeking approval from others um, and Instead of like receiving their identity uh, from Christ and 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 trusting in Him, uh, maybe for some it might be uh, an attitude toward financial giving, uh, or possibly even a, a neglect of of prayer. Um, others, uh, whatever the case, this elephant it, it rears its its ugly head with its big floppy ears by by fooling us, making us think that that. We're on the right track if we simply believe the right things, even though it's not translating into any changed behavior or or action in our lives. Uh, We believe in God, but we don't trust God when it really matters, when the rubber meets the road. And Jesus had a way of describing this elephant of unbelief. He called it being lukewarm. Um, and and I encourage you, definitely follow along in your message notes this morning. That's the first blank that you need to fill in. The unbelief elephant number one, lukewarm. Uh, You heard all about lukewarmness in the scripture passage that Barb read earlier and that the kids uh, actually sang a little bit about. Uh, And Jesus confronted this elephant in the ancient church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation. And if you recall from the scripture passage, I know it's not as far ago as fifth grade, but it was about 15 minutes ago. You might not remember it. Um, if you recall, though, Jesus had some pretty harsh words uh, for uh, this elephant. Um, Hear here what he has to say. He says, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You know, I've never in my personal relationship with Jesus ever envisioned myself in his mouth like just like I think that'd be a little slobbery and weird but 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 I do get the impression that being spit out of Jesus mouth is a bad thing you, you don't want that um, and yet he's saying that that if you're lukewarm he, he will spit you out of his mouth and and then Jesus summarizes in the verse right after he summarizes the symptom of being lukewarm in verse 17 he said he says this here's the symptom he, you say I am rich I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. In other words, I'm satisfied with where I'm at. I've got everything I need. There's nothing bothering me. I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm, everything's going right with my believing and yet not trusting. But what does Jesus say about that? Same verse. He says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, wretched. Pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus is saying, you've been duped here. You've bought the cheap imitation of the real thing. You've got fool's gold. It looks good on the outside, but it won't stand up in the end. And the bad news is is you don't even recognize it. You don't see it. You're blind to it. You know, I think a lot of us, we hear about this unbelief and and we say something like yeah i don't really have an unbelief problem uh, and, and then we start to whip out our spiritual resume right oh i i trust in god look i i go to i go to church if i'm not at church i'm i'm watching online look i am doing my thing i'm praying i'm reading i i give to the church i serve it's maybe i'm even like super spiritual and i'm in a journey group yeah <laughs> or you, you you whip out your spiritual resume right and and and, and yet, here's the reality, is, is, is no matter how much you trust God with your actions, me included, we can always trust him more. We can always turn over to him more areas of our lives and really walk the walk instead of just talking the talk. Every single one of us has, has some lukewarmness in our heart. Uh, this is an elephant we all need to confront. Maybe, maybe the elephant for you is, is a little more subtle. Maybe it's not this big, hairy mammoth. Maybe it's like a little scary cat uh, for you. But it's there. It's there. Now, in this passage, Jesus offers us a remedy for our lukewarm elephant problem or scary cat problem. Um, and, and he counsels us to buy three things from him in verse 18. And I just briefly want to run through these because I think that it's good Um, it's good counsel for us uh, as we struggle with lukewarmness in our own hearts Uh, first he says i I counsel you i'm on the wrong page Uh, i counsel you to buy from me first gold refined in the fire Uh, and jesus could be saying a a, a lot of things with this but but i believe the heart of what he's saying here is don't trust in the world's ways see he's they've already said he, he said you already say you're rich that you don't need anything but but he's saying hey uh, that's that's the cheap stuff. Uh, buy from me, gold refined in the fire. Don't be satisfied with the with the piddly stuff, with the fool's gold that you you have now. Listen to my counsel. Follow my ways. Buy gold from me. It will last. It's not the cheap stuff. And this refined by the fire could refer to this is the real thing. It could also refer to the fact that following Jesus could bring some suffering your way in this world. That that's the reality. When everybody's kind of going this way, when the stream, the current of the world is going this way and following Jesus is going like this, you're probably going to experience a little bit of pushback, some suffering, and that's a refinement in your life. And following Jesus' ways is, is being refined in the fire, but it's real gold, it's the real thing, so, so trust in him. Uh, secondly, he says, uh, I counsel you to buy from me white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. Jesus gets a little bit deeper with this one. I, I think here he's addressing our tendency, uh, you know, clothes, it's what we wear on the outside. And I, I think he's addressing our tendency to try to make ourselves look good for, for the world, uh, maybe even for God himself. And, and, and yet that kind of pursuit always falls short. Um, and Jesus points to the remedy, and that is the only way to be accepted by God, to be received by him, is to, to receive the gift that, that Jesus offers, the, the, the purity, the, the righteousness that comes from a relationship with him. Um, and he offers that to us freely, with, without cost. Uh, but third, then Jesus says to buy, he counsels us to buy from him, salve to put on your eyes so you can see. I, I think this one's the most straightforward one. I think Jesus is saying, You're blind. You don't even see this. Uh, you're, you're lukewarm. Buy, buy from me, salve, so you can see the elephant. The lukewarm elephant is right there. Don't, don't ignore him. Uh, Jesus wants us to see clearly um, who we are. Uh, uh, how he sees us. And, and I think he sees us as a, as a mixed bag, right? As, as people who have lukewarmness, who, who don't fully trust in him, but, but also as as people who someone who is dearly loved dearly loved by him i mean jesus sees all your stuff he sees all your beliefs uh the way that they don't match up with your actions he sees all the ways that that you don't completely trust him but but when he looks at you and sees that he's he's not coming with anger He's coming with compassion and love. He desperately wants you and me to trust in him completely so that we can experience the freedom and the grace that a relationship with him offers. He wants us to experience that, that kind of love that can transform your life, so much so that he was willing to die so that we could experience his grace. He loves you and, and me that much. And, and so he concludes with, with a very, very famous verse. Uh, The verse that the kids uh, sang for us out of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, he concludes and he says, Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. In other words, I'm right here. Don't, Don't wait. You don't have to wait any longer. I'm right here waiting for you to invite me in. I want want a real relationship with you. One where, you know, sharing a meal means that you're close. Um, He he wants that kind of relationship. Not one where you just acknowledge me with your intellect, but not with your heart. uh, But rather, receiving me in to every part of your life. And you know, part of our mission as a church is that that you would grow into a wholehearted follower of Jesus on this journey with him. Uh, another way to describe lukewarmness is uh, half-hearted faith. That, that, that's what lukewarmness is. It's, it's not complete unfaith. It's not uh, wholehearted faith, it's, it's, it's this kind of in-between, this half-hearted faith where the beliefs that we claim to have don't impact our everyday lives, where, where uh, like the message series from a, a year ago, where we're practically, we're atheists. We, we say we believe in God, uh, but we live our lives, or at least parts of our lives, as if God doesn't factor in, as if God doesn't even exist. Uh, but but our mission at Troy is that you would become wholehearted as we're all on this journey following him together. We, we want all of us to be able to grow to a point where our beliefs aren't just in our head, but our beliefs are in our heart, in our actions, uh, with every part of our lives. And, and I, I believe that's following Jesus wholeheartedly is the best life possible. And that, that's the life that God created us for. Um, but there's one more belief elephant. Uh, now, Whereas the lukewarm elephant in our house, uh, when it's in our house, we're not always aware of it. It likes to hide. Uh, but those of us with this second unbelief elephant, we're very aware of his presence all the time. In fact, if you have this elephant, chances are it's bothering you now. It's, it bothers you every time you're confronted with spiritual matters, every time in some form or another. It, and I'll call this unbelief elephant number two, doubt. Doubt, doubt plagues many of us. I, I would venture to say most of us in some form or another. We don't like talking about it because we wonder if, if doubts are normal, if other people have them. Uh, if we do get up the courage to talk about our doubts, uh, oftentimes we get labeled as the difficult one, right? Have, anybody here, you don't have to raise your hand. Uh, uh, I know who you are anyway. Uh, the, the, the difficult one, right? Some folks with doubts have told me just, just horrible stories of how uh, they, they've been made to feel guilty and ashamed for asking the hard questions in in, in other church experiences. Because many of us, we either have encountered that on a, on a small level or maybe on a big level, or we've heard of other situations, we've seen other people do it to somebody else. Because of that, we, start to, we just bury our doubts. We hide them deep within, never uh, letting them out for fear of being found out. And maybe you'll sit through message after message after message. You're probably not watching online if you have doubts because you're the righteous ones. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, maybe you'll go to journey group after journey group, and yet in the back of your mind, you're just saying, yeah. I'm just, I'm just not sure if I believe this. Of course, there might be many different reasons for why you don't believe. Uh, for some of you, it could be like a science thing. You know, you, you grew up and were kind of told that faith and science are mutually exclusive. Uh, I, I don't believe that's the case. You know, I have a, you know, an engineering science background uh, and. Uh, many people have come to faith through science. Uh, I don't think that's the case at all, but maybe you're, you're wrestling with that. Like, I don't know if I can believe this because, because I've been taught this and I believe that. Uh, or, or maybe you're carrying a lot of pain from, from your past and, and you just can't believe that there is a God, or if there is a God, not a loving God, because of some horrible stuff that, that you're experiencing or, or you have experienced or somebody that you love um, went through. Or maybe you can't imagine God loving you. Okay, yeah, there's a loving God. He's for all those folks, but gosh, I've just screwed things up so bad. God couldn't possibly love me. Or maybe you've got some struggles believing, uh, believing the authority of the Bible. And so you say, well, I can't believe that, and I can't believe that, and I can't believe that. Uh, so maybe it just un- everything unravels because you, you can't put your trust in, in the authority of the scriptures. Well, whatever it might be. Regardless, maybe you have doubts and you don't know what to do with them. Uh, well, well, let me just say with conviction that, that, that faith and doubts aren't mutually exclusive. I, I believe they can exist simultaneously. And I invite you uh, here in this, this church community uh, to wrestle with the truths of scriptures and to ask the hard questions. If you can't ask them here, where can you ask them? Uh, but, but this morning, I want to propose this course of action for you. If you struggle with the elephant in the room of doubt, uh, and I want to take a look at one of my favorite interactions that Jesus uh, had. Uh, you, you can find it in Mark chapter 9. Uh, you'll want to take, write this down because it's a great story. It starts off like this. Jesus had, had just come down from what the Bible calls a mountain, but really it's just kind of a medium-sized hill. Uh, everything in Israel, uh, for those of you who have been there, I haven't, but I've seen enough pictures and talked with enough people when they came back that it's like it, everything's a little smaller than you expect. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like things are a little tighter. Um, and so it's a kind of medium-sized hill, um, and Jesus came down from this uh, medium-sized mountain hill uh, to uh, with his uh, three closest disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John. And on this hill, they had just experienced something amazing. Uh, Jesus had appeared to them in just amazingly just bright shining white clothes that those same white clothes I think that Jesus in in Revelation chapter 3 says that he will he will give you uh that he wants uh you to receive from him and and so he appeared and then they heard a voice uh, a voice from uh the heavenly father that said this is my son uh Listen to him. <laughs> and, and so they were convinced. Their doubts were erased. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for. And, and they, all their doubts had been answered. But then they came down off the mountain to where, um, where the other disciples were. And they encountered a, a large crowd. And this, they had ex- uh, heard some arguing. And then Jesus said to the crowd, He said, What are you arguing with them about? He asked. And a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashing at his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Uh, Jesus confronts their unbelief straight on. He, he confronts the elephant. How, how long are you going to go on not trusting me? Now, for some of you, that's the kind of response that you would expect. Right Here, Okay, Rachel, Bob, your doubts drive me nuts. Can, can you just get it together? Some of you, you expect that from God. But the story goes on, and they, they bring the son to Jesus, and his father explains uh, that, that this is a condition that he's had since he was a very little boy. And then in verse 22, uh, this is, this is uh, the father of the boy says this to Jesus. He said, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes and immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Ha!" Wow. This guy basically confirmed everything that, that Jesus had said. He's like, hey, you're right. I'm having a really hard time believing you and trusting you on this one, Jesus. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm a mixed bag. I want to believe. Uh, I, I acknowledge that I'm all, not all there yet, though. I've got some questions. I've got some doubts. You, Jesus, you are absolutely right about me. And, and if you're a person who believes that, that faith and doubt can't exist together, then here's how you would write the rest of the story. And Jesus turned and walked away and said, well, when you've figured out, when you don't have unbelief, you know where to find me. That's not what happens. Not not at all. In fact, Jesus doesn't say anything else to him. He simply healed his son. He he accepted the man's mixed bag of belief and doubt. And you know what? I, I really believe that Jesus is ready and willing to accept your mixed bag of belief and doubt too. But you've got to come to him the same way that the man did. You see, regardless of his belief and unbelief, uh, this man, in the end, he put his trust in Jesus. And he did so in a couple of ways, ways that I think we can learn from. Uh, First, he trusted Jesus with the truth about his doubt. And this is an important first step. Uh, Are you willing to be open and honest about your doubts? Or or are you going to hide them and pretend that they, they just don't exist? I, I hope uh, I hope you know in your head and that you feel in your heart that this this community of faith is is a, a place a safe place for you to be able to wrestle with the questions to ask the questions and, and to wrestle with your doubts and don't be afraid to share the truth of where you're at in your spectrum of belief and unbelief uh, Really, that's been the emphasis of this entire message series, and it applies to the unbelief elephant, too. So just be real. Be real about it. Trust Jesus and trust others uh, with your doubts. Now, some of you are good at that. Uh, That's why you've been labeled the difficult one, because you've just shared your doubts and doubts and doubts. Uh, But it's just as important to take the second step, too. You don't want to stop there just with acknowledging doubts. Uh, The second step, this uh, step of, is to trust Jesus in spite of your doubts. That's exactly what the man did in this story. He he trusted Jesus with his son. He put his son in Jesus' hands. He could have walked away. He he could have said, get your hands off my son. Your disciples tried, don't you mess with him. You know, there are plenty of people that I would say, get your hands off my son, too. And and yet this this man trusted Jesus. He allowed Jesus to do his work. You know, don't, don't let your doubts keep you from putting your trust in Jesus. Now, you might ask, you might wonder, well, what does that look like? Uh, you know, is it just something I do in my heart? What, what does it look like? And, and here, here's the answer. Uh, I mean, most simply, putting your trust in Jesus means following his ways. Is, is, is doing it his way? Even when you wonder, is, is he for real? Is, is his word for real? Is following him for real? Are his ways trustworthy? You know, you put your trust in Jesus and he proves trustworthy. You don't have to wait to have all your belief issues resolved before you, you put your foot in front and take a step of faith in his direction and enter into a real, a following kind of relationship With Jesus, not one where you just see him traveling and you just watch and and are like the Sunday morning you know couch uh, quarterback, you know you 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 follow him in his ways. And the ironic thing is, until you do, until you do put your trust in him and enter into that following kind of relationship, then you'll never experience the real fruit of faith—a fruit like, like joy no matter what kind of chaotic circumstances are going around in this world or in your world, or uh, peace that surpasses understanding or contentment with, with lots or with little and next to nothing, or even hope in the face of death. You don't experience that fruit until you practice faith in the midst of doubt. So, so if the lukewarm elephant is in your room, just get real about it. Let's acknowledge the, the, the truth that your beliefs aren't translating to a life of trust. Acknowledge the truth because Jesus is right there, kn- knocking on the door, willing to come in and, and share an intimate meal with you to show you what his love is really all about, what wholehearted faith is all about. And if it's the doubt elephant that's, that's in your room, trust Jesus with the truth. And, and trust him with every part of your life as you follow him, even in your unbelief. You, you can have that kind of, you can have an intimate relationship with Jesus despite your doubts, but it requires following him. I, I know I've got that kind of relationship with Jesus. You know, I, doubts creep in to my life on occasion. I wonder, gosh, am I, am I just wasting my life doing this thing? Uh, believe me, you don't sign up to be a pastor unless you you really believe it. <laughs> uh, now, sometimes the doubts can change you along the way. And then you're like, well, gosh, uh, should I sell insurance? Or or do I just keep doing this even though I don't believe it? Um, and and those doubts, they creep in. They creep into everybody. But here, here's here's what I want you to know when you follow him, when you build up enough fruit of a real relationship with him in the midst of the doubts, then you can always point to the fruit. Well, look at the fruit of following Jesus in the midst of doubts. And, and in my life, I can point to that whenever I have doubts and say, I'm going to keep trusting because of the way that Jesus has shown up in the past, e- even though I'm not feeling it all the way, or I'm struggling, or I'm wrestling with things. But you, can, you can't point to that fruit until you've trusted him enough to surrender your life to him and follow him in the face of your doubts. But that first step to putting your trust in Jesus, the first step to, to opening the door and to uh, following Jesus is to acknowledge where it is that you've fallen short. So so let's take a few moments uh, just to confess, uh, to confess our unbelief elephants to Jesus as we pray. W- would you pray with me? Well, Father in heaven, we confess that to one degree or another we're we're all lukewarm that we've professed you with our lips but we fall short on living wholeheartedly for you with our actions we've not loved you with our whole heart we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves and lord truly we're we're sorry We, we humbly repent Lord, forgive us for, for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. And by, by the power of your Spirit, we want to open the door of our heart to let Jesus in fully. And, and to follow him wholeheartedly, even when the world tells us to trust our own course of action. And Father, we also acknowledge openly our doubts. Just like the man said, Jesus, we want to believe. Well, we believe you somewhat, but, but we need your help with the unbelief. Lord, this morning we give you what we have. We give you whatever seed of faith and trust we have and ask that you would take our seeds of doubt and transform them by your spirit at work in us. Transform our hearts. Bear bear fruit in our lives as we trust in you so so that when the doubts creep in, we can lean on you and lean on everything that you've already done in our lives. We need you, Lord. We need you to help us overcome our unbelief.